physical silver investment, coins and bars up 36%. You can see that in the Silver Institute numbers. Well, hello there, my friends. Welcome and good afternoon. Chris Marcus here with you for Arcadia Economics. And in today's episode of the show, interesting note out of the Silver Institute, where they're reporting in their statistics that physical silver investment, that's coins and bars, was actually up 36% in 2021, a year in which the silver price was down, oddly enough, Although fortunately to dig into what's going on and share his perspective, especially as in my opinion, one of the world's top experts on the supply side is Steve Cope of Silver Viper, one of the people that brings you this show each day. So Steve, great to have you in here. Great to see you again. And how are you doing today? I'm, I'm doing all right. I mean, it's an interesting market that we're in both, you know, on silver and on the equity side. But again, I mean, we've talked about this a lot and, what you just mentioned there we know the demand for silver is increasing it's growing while the supply is decreasing so i think it's a great time still to be in the sector and i and again we'll look forward to the prices correcting back to where they should be yeah certainly been a bit of a tough sell-off the last month or so although at least at the 22 dollars silver price it's lower now touching on cost of production for some of the primary miners Here's that note I mentioned, physical silver investment, coins and bars up 36%. You can see that in the Silver Institute numbers here, net physical investment up 36% last year. So while we see the price going in the other direction on the COMEX, first of all, I think it's worth pointing out that this isn't conspiracy theory of what, or whether silver is going to be money again or not whether you like it or not, people are buying silver and they're buying more of it. Yeah. Well, and again, I mean, whether it becomes money again or not, I think you still have that industrial side of silver that, you know, the supply or the demand is certainly growing and the supply that's going to be needed is going to be far, far more than what we're able to supply right now in the sector. Well, Steve, you, you mentioned that. Fortunately, I had that ready to go. Here's Michael DiRienzo, again, of the Silver Institute. Demand for silver used in electronics grew by 9% in 2021. Interesting, my travels around Mexico after living in the US, also living in Europe, it seems everywhere I go, people are on their cell phones. So in a world that wants to go green, you, you would think there is reason for that to continue. Absolutely. And then, I mean, that, I don't even think that stat included the electric car industry and every and the solar industry and what that brings in demand as you move forward. And like you say, the, the green movement and what's needed. And we're not even close to being able to supply what's needed, you know, even for a fraction of what they talk about as far as, you know, if you have like a state like California that wants to go all electric cars by a date, like you don't have the supply. It doesn't exist in this world to be able to to meet those demands. So I don't know what they're going to do. And the only thing I think you can do is let the silver price go up and then start letting some of the, you know, maybe some of the mediocre projects. I still don't think there's enough supply out there, but some of the projects that need higher costs to justify putting them into production. Yeah. And Steve, you mentioned the supply there and it's interesting. We take a look, you can see it actually was up quite a bit in between 2020 and 2021 from 781 million ounces to 822. Of course, a lot of that was because the mines were shut down for COVID for a while. 
Yet looking at 2021, the 822 number there, that's still less than we were seeing many of these years going back. I hear a lot of the miners, developers, explorers, they're saying silver is getting harder to find. And that's certainly in your direct base of knowledge. Does that sound about right? Or what could you add there? Well, I, I, that very much sounds right. But the other side of it, and I think what you're going to see moving forward or what we need to be aware of is when you look at a country like Chile, that just, you know, has announced they're nationalizing everything. Well, you, you're going to stop all foreign companies from going in there and finding anything new. And that's obviously one of those areas where you get silver as a big byproduct of the large porphyries. Peru is another, you know, number two silver producer in the world and another scary place that's always on the edge of nationalizing. And when that happens, you get zero foreign investment. You're going to have virtually no new exploration done in those countries. And if anything, stuff will start to run less efficiently because it's been nationalized and you have people that aren't experts running the mines. So again, I think these are trends moving forward and it wouldn't surprise me over the next year or so if the production coming out of both of those countries goes down. And those are both major supplies of silver for the world. Mexico, again, I mean, I don't think Mexico's ramping up by any means. There's still, you know, some people that are scared of AMLO and, you know, he's a more of a leftist government. And so again, you've got caution and with the prices coming off in the equity market where it is right now, you're seeing companies struggle to finance. You're going to, so again, you're going to see less expiration. And because of that, you're going to have less, you know, new projects and new discoveries and everything else coming online. And that number because of that over the next three or four years is going to keep going down and down while demand goes up. And then the only thing that can change it is the price going up and attracting companies to put new things into production or to come back and, you know, because their share prices have run, they're able to finance and expedite programs and bring some new projects on. But like you also mentioned, especially in the case of silver, it's harder and harder to find new silver projects. The stuff that's close to surface, easy to find based on surface structures, that's, you know, there, there might be a few out there if you get into more remote areas, but the easy stuff has already been found. So again, you're going to have to go back to, you know, either old mines that have shut down that had, a, you know, a lower grade, you know, reserve sitting there that wasn't able to be mined at the price when the mine was operating and try and fire some of those back up or go to a few of the projects out there that are, you know, subpar grade that maybe aren't ready. Or you come to a company like ours that has something, you know, that we've just discovered and are, and are growing. And there's a few, you know, maybe five to 10 of companies like ours out there right now, but that doesn't even come close to beating what you're going to lose in production or what you need for the, the increased demand. Yeah. And on top of that, Steve, you mentioned that you could potentially go get after some lower grade projects, yet that's getting harder with the supply chain issues, the price yeah. of everything rising. I talked to one miner the other day. He said that it's good they're not in production right now because some of the equipment they need, there's a two-year lag time. Is that the type of thing you're seeing as well? Yeah, it's, it's across the board, whether it's importing gear into, you know, in our case, into Mexico, the time delays that, it, you know, what should take a month takes six months to a year. You know, there's that's just going on around the world. And then, you know, like you say, new equipment, whether it needs computer chips or you get exposed to that part of like the deficiencies around the world supply chain wise or, you know, different physical products. I mean, it's it's kind of affecting all industries around the world. So it doesn't surprise me that if you need to buy a big brand new crusher or, you know, other pieces to a mine that you could see a backlog. Now, I mean, I think those companies, as they start to plan a new mine, opening they probably start to buy some of that equipment you know as they're applying for permits and other things potentially and try and save some of that time so they can 
narrow the window down. But um, yeah, I mean, it's an issue. It's been an issue around the world, you know, that COVID really amplified. And so, yeah, I mean, it's hard. It's hard to bring on new supply. And yet more and more people, but again, I mean, look at car industry. Look at the car industry. I drive by a car lot here in Canada. So my experience would be in Vancouver, but 90% of them have maybe 10% of the inventory they used to always have. And most of the inventory that's sitting there in the lot is already pre-sold and just waiting to be picked up. You can't get them. So how are you going to supply all these electric cars and demand and everything else? It doesn't exist. It's hard for these companies to produce and make vehicles and keep up with the demand. And, and especially on the electric side, you know, if you have an electric car, you're probably selling it a used one for $10,000, $20,000 over what you paid for brand new right now, at least that uh, might be low. <laughs> Steve, also, you can add on top of that, that it doesn't seem like a lot of silver is going to be coming out of Russia to feed no. well, physical demand in the U.S. Obviously, you have the other metals there, which I, I don't study quite as closely, although I get the feeling there is a shaky structure between the paper and physical in those. And Russia, all the lists I see them in a top 10, around the five or six in production level. So that's another source that we're not going to be seeing, it sounds like. Yeah, well, you certainly won't see it in the Western world. You know, Kinross had its mines over in Eastern Russia, and they sold early on at the start of, you know, this, the Ukraine-Russia war, um, their deposits or their mines. So the, the Western companies have all fled the country and sold off. So you've got, yeah, nationalized Russia, but that'll be trade between them and China and, you know, maybe India and a couple of their other partners that might do stuff with them. Some of some of the European countries that are more aligned with them. But yeah, we're certainly not going to see that supply in the Western world. You wouldn't think so, although it does raise the question of where is this metal coming from? You can see back here running a deficit in 2019, 2020, 2021, forecasting a deficit for this year. I'll play a clip of a conversation. This was Greg Liller of Sierra Madre, where I asked him this question, and I'd be curious to get your thoughts on his response. Do either of you have any idea of where the metal comes from to fund that deficit? I don't know. <laughs> that, that's it's, the big mystery. Greg, any yeah. thoughts on how they're meeting that deficit if these numbers, I mean, if they're it's, double counting, would be even more extreme. It's got to be coming out of the investment stockpile. Which was really interesting to hear someone that's been mining silver, copper for about 40 years, so not someone new to the game. And sure enough, if you take a look here, this peak, that's the silver squeeze weekend, where it seems like there was some double counting. Now, certainly it's not at the lowest level ever, yet maybe that's the result of a couple of years of deficit because you've seen over half of the registered stockpile of what's available for delivery come out since you had that fracture in the market. Is that where the metal is going to have to come from, Steve? Yeah, and how long can they do that for? <laughs> You've gone through half of it here in a year and a half. So where is it going to come from? You know, yeah, you can keep running down that stockpile, but I mean, surely they can only run it down so much before they, well, we know they can change the rules, I guess. But you're supposed to have some, at least, you know, sitting there on all those ETFs and everything that have been lent out. So, um, yeah, there's your stockpile. That goes. Then what happens? Now you've got a deficit on the production side still. You've got no stockpiles left. You know, the, the guys that are stacking bullion certainly aren't moving any of their stuff or, or are going to start selling it unless, like we said, this overpriced run. So at some point, 
you got to let that price run. You can you know, only put this off for so long. Yeah, and while I know people get frustrated by what's happening on the COMEX, if you actually did buy some of that physical silver, here's silver buffaloes. That's $5 over spot if you're getting 500 of them. Just getting a few of them, it's 6 bucks over spot. But Steve, look, here you got silver pandas, $35 on a $22 spot. That's 13 bucks. Here's the silver eagles. You just get a couple of those, 37.10. That's a 68% premium. So you could say that the physical silver price is rising. And do you think we could see an environment where physical silver is one price and that COMEX, which you can't get metal from, we could be seeing the beginning of a, of a divergence or we've, we're already seeing it, but you think that's how this could play out going forward? I think in a sane world it has to be because you can't price the metal off of the paper market. It's you know we, we know that's manipulated. We know what it was supposed to be intended to be, but it was you know when an ounce of silver is lent out a thousand times or whatever the ratio actually is, you know you can't you can't say that's the price of silver. But yet you know and, and I think this is where you have to bring in the silver producers and say enough is enough as well because here they are producing you know silver or silver dore. And they're selling it something close to that, you know, paper market price instead of the physical market price. And they're doing themselves, the industry, their shareholders a disservice. There's at some point they need to band together like the oil companies do and dictate their own market and their own price based on what their production costs are. We, if, you know, they're all out to get each other and they haven't banded together, but at some point they need to do that because the disconnect between the paper market and the physical market and what that physical market should be selling for, like you see in those coins, it makes no sense for them to sell down at the, at the spot prices on the COMEX. I agree with what you're seeing, Steve. And actually there's some degree to which maybe there is some connect between the two because you see there's between 2014 and 2018 numbers show a surplus then the last three years, you see the deficit. And if you actually look at the price chart, all right, well, there was the surplus, paper games aside, the price was coming down in the years 2014 to 2018. But when you look, you remember well, 2018, 2019, we're seeing $16 silver, which was right around primary miners cost of production. And I wonder if that had something to do with it by the fact, by the time that silver went down to 12 bucks, it didn't just go back up to 16, it shot up to 30, which would match what we've been seeing of that deficit. And Steve, would you say that we're in a similar situation now where some of the primary minor costs have risen around that 20, $21 mark, which at least could potentially facilitate another move of that sort? Yeah, I mean, I would even say that it's probably higher. I remember, you know, a company like First Majestic, who, you know, we all, we all love, but I remember for a long time, their average cost of production, especially if you go over to real cost was over, they were always over $20. You know, the, then that that's the, the true all in past the all in sustaining cost, even that they'll report, you know, they always needed over $20 silver, even when, you know, going back through all those years. And so everyone tightened, you know, over that few years and tried to bring those costs down and did a fairly good job, you know, cutting every little unnecessary cost they could. You know across gold and silver producers but 
you know, now with inflation and what prices are doing, I would argue that that number is going to be closer to like 25, at least right now, kind of on average across the industry of those producers of what they would need to really break even truly. You know, they'll report a lower all-in sustaining cost, but your true all-in cost of a company making money, I would wager they need at least 25 to really be making a go of it. And I always find it funny. They say we have this revenue and this, but then you look at the cash position in the company and normally it goes down <laughs> quarter by quarter when they're supposed to be making money, which to me tells you that the real all-in cost is not what you know what's reported. And that's just the accounting rules and how they get away with it. But to, which with this inflation, again, I think 30 is your new profitable line, you know, in the short term where they, you'd the miners would love to at least see a 30 but really it should be higher. And then as it goes up and we know, we, we know we're still in an inflationary environment. So what they need now versus a year from now, that number is going to keep moving up. You would think so. And at least it seems like there is a bit of a floor in the market, which gets breached temporarily, perhaps when silver went down to 12, but yeah. we see a counter blowback when that happens, yeah. even if it's slower than we'd like. Well, to me, this feels like that right now where we are on the equity side, it feels a lot like that first COVID March 2020, when everything across the board got hammered, you know, we were all in shock. I think we put out one of our best drill holes, you know, in company, well, at the time it was the best drill hole in Silver Viper and we went up and then two days later we were at, you know, it dropped by about 150% from where we were. And, you know, here we are sitting on fantastic new drill results. So it's that hit and it hit everyone hard, but then the miners and, and explorers and the precious metal side is normally the first sector that rebounds on the back end of that. So we've seen here recently with, you know, fears of recession, inflation, the war, whatever other factors you want to pile in on it. And you've seen this mass sell-off of equities and a rush back to us dollars again. But I think, you know, we've seen that balance out here over the last week or two weeks. You've seen some of the stocks already start to rebound, but I think, you know, over the next, week or two weeks you'll start to see you know as long as metals hold here around 1850 gold and 21 to 22 silver you're going to see our sector rebound very quickly again the only caveat to that would be is we're moving into summer and sometimes summer is dead but um still i think we're in a spot right now where we've kind of weathered that storm you know and across all the boards and you've seen it in cryptos you've seen it in the big blue chip apples everyone else everyone's been hammered so Again, people realize the world isn't over. It didn't end, you know, over the last couple of weeks and, and they'll start to, you know, put their investment dollars back to work. Yeah, and you still have the debt, the politics, Putin bringing back a gold standard temporarily. Who knows what his views on silver are. Although Steve, again, you're one of the, the leaders of a company that's out there exploring for projects that can fill that gap going forward. Could you give us an update on Silver Viper and any recent news or updates you have? Yeah, I mean, Silver Viper, we just, the big exciting news for us is we just completed this geophysics survey that took us a long time to get done. Getting the equipment in for our third-party contact was very, you know, took them a lot longer than expected. But we did this geophysical study to identify, you know, new targets, but really to show us what was underneath our El Ruby discovery area. And it worked, you know, fantastic. It, it did everything we had hoped, that magnetofaloric program. We've got a very large anomaly that we're very excited about sitting right underneath El Ruby that we think could be the source of our high-grade sulfide material. Um, and then it identified a lot of new targets underneath um, to the east of El Ruby that you know we had maybe some hints in our surface sampling, but there's no structure on surface there, but some very large 
compelling targets, kind of, you know, 100, 200, 400, 600 meters east of El Ruby, all the way over to our Peridonis target and our El Molino South target, which also look really good. So we're, you know, we wish we were in a normal market because we'd be doing a very large placement right now and adding drill rigs and, and really ramping things up, but we'll continue to explore and continue to drill and, and we're going to go and test that target underneath El Ruby. And then hopefully in the interim, the market returns back to normal and you know, then we'll wrap up then. But it's very exciting time for the company and we're really thrilled with the results of that program. Well, Steve, that makes sense. And it reminds me of how we got to know each other when you were at that first Silverfest we had. And I was just struck by your demeanor and the way you go about things in addition to your knowledge, which of course you eventually have to have a project that's feasible yet managing it in a way that, all right, you have these ups and downs in the markets. There's what we can control, but I think you've done a good job of that. And perhaps before we wrap up, can you just give the website address one more time so people know how to find you or ask any questions? Yeah, www.silverviperminerals.com. You can email info at silverviperminerals.com. Call us, um, you know, all the phones come through to Alicia or myself. 604-687-8566 and all the information is on that website if you need to get a hold of anyone and we're more than happy at any point to jump on and talk and we can talk about silver we can talk about the company uh, you know always happy to talk to anyone that's interested in our sector or, or our companies well i appreciate that steve thanks again for checking in sharing what you're seeing in the silver market and fortunately steve was kind enough to stick around and record a quick clip about some more detail with their projects and the latest results. And to find out about that, well, just click on the video coming your way now.